Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Not a single fucking jet ski in sight. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the BS cast. It's episode six of Loki. This week, we're going to be talking over pretty much everything that happened in the season finale of Loki. I have to say, with the absence of certain pieces of water sports equipment, it was a pretty solid episode, I have to say. Um, here to talk oh. about the show with me, as always, is Tyler Moliterno. How are you doing, Tyler? Hello, Dave. I almost spoke before I introduced. That's all right. I we rescued say, it, I think. Last week, last week, the theme of the episode was we were wrong about shit. Mm. This week episode, we were, we, I think, said a lot of the stuff that was revealed in this episode, right? I, I feel like in one of our many different theory runs we we probably covered most of the stuff like i know that well, well, we've kang was mentioned one, but it was so obvious yes. that, that i think neither of us wanted to say the super obvious so we tried to make it a little bit more left field but we have you both and mentioned me got before. weird with it because i i was like i i think i said in the episode i think it's gonna be kang but i'm afraid that that's not gonna happen because that hasn't happened yet yeah and and all of the shows, it's like it feels like it might be this thing, and then it's not. So I was like, I feel like it's going to be Kang, but I don't think they're actually going to do it. But I think, but then I also laid out my theory that Jonathan Majors was going to be in this, and I was fucking right. Remember, because I said yes, they I said do. they said Abomination was going to be in She Hulk, but now we know he's going to be in Shang Chi. Yeah. And I said this might be the same situation where they say Jonathan Majors is going to be in. Um, ant-man but they didn't say he's gonna debut there and they might he might pop up in loki Mm. and then 15 minutes in the episode when they open that door and he's there i was like holy shit Mm. not only is this not a cameo he is here for the whole goddamn episode and what (laughs) a delight it was he was delicious his entire (laughs) performance from beginning to end was just so good like otherworldly you know he he just nailed it i don't know what he was trying for but he absolutely nailed it whatever it was well 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 i'll tell you because i read an interview with him uh and and kate heron about this whole thing and you know the exciting thing about this that people are mentioning is like you know the fallout of this is it's not just this version of kang it is that we the king that we saw is the one king that is holding all the other canes back yeah and that the floodgate may be open and we may be experiencing other variants of him. Mm. So the idea is not only is Jonathan Majors a fantastic actor, but we might be seeing him playing this character different ways, yeah. which is really exciting. Yeah. And what he said was he, uh, he is a um, classically trained in Commedia dell'arte. And so he was using his clown training. Okay. Which I thought was really fascinating, and what a choice it was. It works. It really does work. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't spend all of our time in the. Um, I mean, I don't even know what to call Citadel it. Citadel at the end of time. That's what we call it. The Citadel at the end of time. Yeah. We did also get some time spent at the TVA. Um, I, let's let's go. Let's start from the beginning. Let's hmm. talk about this. Like we let's actually talk about the very beginning of this episode, which was the very first thing you hear is Iron Man's repulsor rays and then the sound of the song from the end of Endgame and uh, Peggy Peggy and Steve's song that they danced to. Yeah, there was quite a few little audio-visual cues going on in amongst Mm -hmm. uh, all of that stuff. And uh, I, at the time of watching it, and I'm very proud of myself for this because Mm -hmm. I didn't pick this up from one of these videos like Screen Crush or New Rock Stars. I, I literally, I oh. saw this and I thought about it on my own. I'm a big boy now in my big boy <laughs> pants. Um, there's a Fantastic Four sighting in there, I'm pretty sure. There's a... An audio Fantastic Four sighting? Or... No, there there is a visual one. When you see... <gasps> oh, the spaceship. The spaceship, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
they that was part of that on, on a new Rockstars video, I believe. I'm sure that's it was. where I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I saw the shape of what looked very much like a a Discovery style uh, rocket. Uh, you know, like the old um, reusable uh, rockets they used to have back in the day before they all blew up. And um, <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible thing for me to say. Um, but it looked a little bit more space age than that. And just the, off the top of my head, I was like, okay, who uses kind of terrestrial looking space rockets? Well, there's only one group of heroes I can think of. And that's the Fantastic Four. It has to be them. That has to be our first sighting, surely. Because they're coming. Sooner or later, they're coming. They are phase four. And we know it's connected to all this. Yeah, I mean, it should be in theory because theory, <laughs> everything's yeah. connected. We would days. assume we would assume that it's connected in the in the the ancestry department. Mm. But yeah, I, I um, really enjoyed all of that stuff. Like there were so many little nods to Marvel past and present, and allusions to Marvel future. And uh, I, I'm sure that even rock stars and and Screen Crush haven't figured them all out. There's got to be a few more. Yeah, in there I, I will say New Rockstars was pretty thorough in going through that opening and finding the exact clips from each part, which I thought I was pretty impressed by that. Mm. Um, but I, I think so going into this week's episode, there was a couple of theories from last week. And I will say, this is where my head was. My head was, I, a part of me really, really, really feels like Jonathan Majors is going to show up in this as Kang. I wasn't putting all my eggs in that basket, though, because I was afraid it was going to not be the case. Mm. Uh, and I didn't want to get my hopes up. Uh, so part of me, but that was kind that was where my head was. I was like, I, I'm afraid it's not going to happen. But the thing that makes the most sense for me is exactly what this episode is, which is that King shows up and talks to them for a whole bunch. And I kind of was hoping for that and expected it, but was afraid to expect it. Um, and the other thing that I was like, well, who's behind the TVA and in the comics behind the TVA is he who remains. So we pitched she who remains. If it was, if it was going to be like the other two series and it's a villain, we knew the whole time. Maybe it's an older version of uh, Ravona. And then I also pointed out the, the Jonathan Majors casting with the Tim Roth thing. And then also that there was a title card that hadn't had anything show up on it. And that might be Jonathan Majors. Um, but like when I sit down to watch this episode at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> and um, that opening starts where it's going through the timeline of the MCU, I was like, Oh, we're in for some shit in this episode. Yeah. Something's gonna fucking happen in this episode. I and it felt different than the other finales. And I was like, something big is gonna happen at the end of this. I can tell. That's why they're opening like this. Hmm. Yeah. And it, this felt very different in some ways to the rest of the show because of the fact that especially where it comes to Loki and Sylvie, like they they kind of know where they are like there there's no sense of um we're going to end up going somewhere completely different like this is the the end of the road so to speak um <clears throat> and certainly for the audience watching this uh, it it was quite nice actually to have a set scene where you didn't have to worry about oh now we're going to go back to pompeii and now we're going to go here and now we're going to go there um it was a relatively restrained episode in some senses, which I really enjoyed after all of the breathless action and various changes of locale that uh, accompanied the previous five episodes. That being said, I love the little uh, plan that B-15 had of uh, going back to the time when uh, uh, Renslayer was... Uh, was pruned from her timeline and using that as a way of convincing other officers within the TVA that uh, that they were all variants like that all felt very smart and, and very clever and, and very kind of Doctor Who-ish like we talked very briefly at the end of this week's Generation Animation about how there have been several references that people have made to the fact that Doctor Who and um, 
Loki feel very similar. And uh, I don't think it's just the filming locations. I think it is also down to the fact that they play around with concepts of time travel in interesting ways, which aren't necessarily always looked at by other properties. I also love that B-15's plan was to take the the hunters to uh, Marvel's second trip to Ohio this past week. Ohio represent. Very happy about that. OH. I.O. (laughs) (laughs) oh we oh we oh uh (laughs) yeah uh, but yeah i i do think it was uh it was nice to just have these scenes between sylvie and loki and uh he who remains and when they busted out the line he who remains i was like oh man they've gone the whole hog here they've gone the whole way my goodness gracious me well, well, before before we get to that, because I want to point out, so you know, there's a trepidation from Loki and Sylvie, and then they go into the Citadel. Oh, and the jump scare, uh, yeah. <laughs> and there's the jump scare, the misminted jump scare of Amazing. her. They're walking into the room, and then and there's just this long shot, and then you just she just pops up super big at the screen, and just goes, "Hey, y'all!" <laughs> 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 Fucking killed me. Oh my god, was oh. it so funny? I was not expecting it at all. It was perfect. He I who remains it. has worked out a way for both of y'all to be on the timeline together. Yeah. Now, interesting enough. So this is the whole the the whole speculation of what of what kind of uh, happened here because a lot of people were looking at the trailer footage that had been released and were saying, well, "We still haven't seen this trailer footage yet. It looks like Loki's on a throne. You can't Maybe that trust at the end trailer of time. footage, for Christ's sake. We've been over right. this so many times. <laughs> so what happened was, before the COVID shutdown, maybe that's when they filmed all that stuff, the idea was that this show was going to end with this scene where... Um, these scenes where Miss Minutes pimps Loki and Sylvie with these alternate versions of timelines that they can go in. So she describes them here, but they were actually going to show them. And that was going to be the majority of the, what they were dealing with. And then Kang maybe pops up at the very end as a cameo. Um, but then I don't know if it was watching Jonathan Majors or what, but they decided at one point to rework it and just make it the Jonathan Majors show and let him be the one. And I think that was a, really good choice i'm really glad that's that's that we ended up with uh because this is much better i think definitely agree like majors uh what a way to introduce yourself uh as a new character and especially the way that they do it and the fact that they introduce him as a variant and possibly the least objectionable variant of kang like that's yeah. fucking scary that he is probably the best of a bad bunch because yeah that he is the most <laughs> like benevolent of yeah. the games <laughs> yeah and he's literally um, controlling the timeline to the point where no one has free will <laughs> he's yeah he's so charismatic and likable so so after Miss Minutes times some she pops away you get another sinister uh, Miss Minutes thing which. Somebody pointed out, I think it was maybe New Rockstar pointed out that she can't be in the same place. She can't be in two places at once, which is interesting because mm-hmm. when she's at the Citadel at the end of time, she's in talking to them, she leaves and then she shows back up and runs there like, what took you so long? Yeah. She's like, sorry, there was a problem that took, I needed taken care of or something. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it was like, oh, that's interesting and sinister. <laughs> and she obviously knows he, he remains. And that is, that is what this, that is one of the many names that Ken goes by in this. And I love when he he comes out of that elevator and Loki goes, he who remains. And he goes, she's still calling me that? (laughs) Creepy. I know, but it's pretty cool. (laughs) It's a cool name. But yeah, but then he uses that as impetus to say, you know, I've I've been known by a few names, King, Conqueror. Uh, Mm -hmm. So he, he ticks the box off and it's like, if anyone was left in any doubt, yeah, it's a, there's a yeah. brilliant melding of of, uh, of drama and comedy in this show, and that scene in particular just is a brilliant example of it. Yeah, so so they so basically 
let's from that point i think we just we just talked about the two things you you have um uh mobius shows back up in renslayer's office um before that moment miss minute says to ravona he thinks this will be more helpful than what you want uh showing both that um he who remains knows what's going on uh and is giving her more information to help her but it's not the information that she wanted but this is going to be more useful to, to her um and revealing that miss minutes knows who's behind it all which is something that Renslayer did not know in the last episode we go back to her office mobius threatens to prune her they talk about how their friendship fell apart um he says that she betrayed him, and she says that he betrayed her, which he does, which is technically true, mm. I guess. I um, they're both. They're, that's the great thing is they can both be right. Because, right, like Mobius is hurt because she like didn't join him, but like betrayal. Technically, Mobius betrayed her. Because they were working together for the same cause. Mm. And it's not like... She, and she would have had to have been the one to defect uh, in order to join up with him. So uh, I, I do think, she, you know, sure, fair enough. But you're, but Ravona's in the wrong because um, she thinks differently than what we hear later. Which is, which is important. I want to make that distinction. She says only one person is allowed to have free will. And it's that guy. Mm, the guy yeah. who did this. And that's pretty fucked up. And then she, she leaves and Mobius says, where are you going? She says, to find free will. And we already talked about, like, she's a teacher in Fremont, Ohio. So that's where her variant is. But that doesn't really affect her. And then she she takes off. And then I think the rest of the episode outside of the very end takes place at the Citadel at the end of time. Which is what Ms. Minutes calls that uh, castle that we saw. Um, and it's basically just... Jonathan Majors as Kang, as a variant of Kang, as he who remains, um, monologuing to Sylvie and Loki and basically lays out the question. He basically says, so here's the deal. I run the TVA. I've made all of this up. I did it because there, there was a multiversal war. And that multiversal war that you heard about from his minutes back in episode one was caused by a bunch of variants of me. It is very rick and morty and if this was this plot of the season or not the season the 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 next era of marvel it's starting to make sense why kevin faggy has been looking into rick and morty writers so much because the mm. idea is kang much like like rick and rick and morty um was able to figure out multi-dimensional travel and started teaming up with all the other variant versions of himself and they started like cooperating to become more and more powerful and then a handful of variants decided that they wanted more worlds to conquer and started trying to conquer the multiverse and that's when the multiverse war started and the way it ended was not the timekeepers putting together the sacred timeline but our king finding Elioth, putting together the tva and pruning all of the other timelines so that there is just one continuous timeline and at the end of the timeline it is he who remains, this Kang, who has total control over everybody's free will, but he's been doing it for eons, for lifetimes. He is tired and does not want to do it anymore and is trying to pass the job off. And his pitch to Sylvie and Loki is, uh, you do this instead of me. And then you can run the TVA however you want. But the TVA, even though what they do is bad, what's worse is if we let a bunch of variant versions of myself loose in the multiverse because they will ruin everything. And at least I'm not doing that. My whole thing is controlling it so that we don't have to worry about those guys because those guys are way worse than me. And if you think I'm scary, wait until you meet them. Yeah. Which is very foreshadowing and very foreboding. It works really well for a finale of a show as well, especially when you're both trying to kick off this uh fourth stage of the marvel movies with kang as like the the main well we assume he's going to be the the main antagonist i of the can't entire imagine thing. anybody bigger than kang right now i kind of yeah. think he's got to be the the big bad but then also the fact that we're going to have a season two of loki which was confirmed at the very end of the episode 
just to skip ahead mm-hmm. there, um, it makes sense that uh, they which is something I also said up. last week, mm. right? Yeah, didn't I say that last week? Yeah, yeah, you did, you did. Um, he's a he's a scary guy. <laughs> yeah, like, the thing is, so the that, day, and that's what I love someone? is so so you know the big conflict here, the big fight. It's not it's not Kang or Loki and Sylvie versus Kang. It's Sylvie and Loki against each other because they not even disagree on the situation, but Loki's just like, we need to talk about this before we kill this guy because I don't think he's lying to yeah. us. I think he's telling the truth about these other variant versions of himself. And Loki is kind of freaked out by it. And when you hear him later say like, oh, he's, he's terrifying, this terrifying man, and there are worse versions of him, <laughs> and no. they're everywhere, no. and they're coming, and we need to get ready. And no, he's I... like really shook by it. And, and you feel that. Hmm? Unlike Ravona, who is saying like, no, only one person gets free will, and, and who knows, maybe she saw the same thing, but it seems like it lines up with her what she thought before. But, but Loki is like, I don't think this guy is good, but I I believe it when he says there are worse versions of him and they are coming. Yeah, what I really like about that whole Sylvie versus Loki thing is that I said last week I've got this horrible feeling that Loki is going to end yeah. up kind of betraying Sylvie or just, you know, against his better judgment, doing something which he shouldn't do. And um, guess what? It was Sylvie that did it instead. Um, Really annoying and not upsetting in like a, a truly emotional sense, but couldn't we just have nice things for the finale? <laughs> Why do they have to break up like that? And it's... I think it's the perfect place to leave a, a season one. I think I don't disagree. I I'm just annoyed the story, that they did it anyway. Yeah, it sucks, <laughs> but I do. I I totally think it was the right choice. And I would. I oh my god, I would have hated it so much more if it was our if our reformed Loki had betrayed Sylvie. Yeah. Um, because that was the whole thing of the episode too. Is it's that this version of Loki has gone through so much character arc and so much change. And last week when he said he was not going to betray her and we made a point of saying, he said he wasn't going to betray her, but she didn't say the same thing. And it's one of those things where I feel like, I feel like our Loki has had more of a self journey and emotional discovery than Sylvie has, that he understands himself better than she does. And has truly changed and moved on and knows that he can't be trusted. And yet he says that he's like, I, he's like, the problem is you can't trust anyone and And I can't be trusted. trusted." Yeah. It's a great line. Great line. Yeah. And, um, it's why things were never going to work out here, at least in this current situation. Um, and, I really do think there's a lot of people that I got a criticism that I got kind of annoyed by um, online at this episode is that because it was the Jonathan major show and it shot up majors monologuing the whole time, everyone's like, well, this isn't a good end to the season, which is about Loki going on the self discovery and stuff like that. But I was like the whole fight, the whole conversation that Sylvie and Loki have is a testament to the rest of the season. That's, happening like you can't let the setup for for other marvel movies and jonathan majors distract from the fact that this episode is about and the climax of this episode is loki fighting with this other version of himself who have two different viewpoints on this situation because of the of the of the changes that they've gone on through this season and that loki is fundamentally different and that everything that's happened up to this point has led to that conversation and that fight and that's, you know, probably what would have happened even if it was just been Miss Minutes talking to them about this alternate versions that they could go visit. But um, really, it's, it's yes, there is a chance, not a chance, Kang is going to show up in other MCU stuff that did, they opened up the multiverse here at the end of this episode, and that is going to set up future projects. And we know it's going to set up future projects. But, like, it, to say... Oh, this whole uh, this makes the whole show feel like it was just one big commercial for other Marvel stuff. No, hmm. this was still about Loki. That was still the plot of the episode. Yeah. 
you're willfully ignoring the rest of what happened in the show to complain about that aspect of it. Because there was a really good climax to the story they've been telling this season. And it's the moment that Sylvie betrays him. It's mm. a really good uh, ending to the arc of this season. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Um, one thing that wasn't a uh, a particularly pleasing ending of a uh, arc was was, was the fact that Mobius not only doesn't get to ride away on a jet ski at the end of this episode. I'm hoping that he gets to do that some point in season two now, by the way. We're just delaying gratification. Mm -hmm. That's what's happening. Um, But also, and I really wanted to talk this over because I'm trying to figure out how this happens in a pocket universe where time shouldn't really be altered. Why does he not know Loki anymore? That was heartbreaking. Like, absolutely heartbreaking. Because of the multiverse. The multiverse is open. So, yeah, but th- this is where so, we get into this so conversation when, about when, time when loops again, isn't it? Loki goes back in time, there's no longer the sacred timeline. So Loki is dropped into the wrong timeline when he goes back. Uh, and there, and okay. it's not just that Mobius doesn't recognize him. There were other changes in the TVA and things that I did not pick up on the first time I saw it. Yeah. But, but, I, but I thought uh, that the TV... here's the big one, which mm. I don't know if you noticed. What, the statue? Um... No, that's that's pretty obvious. That's fairly obvious. Big one. Fairly obvious. <laughs> well, you said so, the big one, and I was uh, like, "Well, I noticed that." <laughs> before before he gets to Mobius, and you find out that Mobius doesn't know who he is, um, he's standing in this room, and a bunch of hunters come by, and you hear one of the hunters shouting. That hunter is Casey, played by Eugene Cordero. Oh. This is an alternate TVA where Casey's a hunter and not an analyst. He's a different guy. You see, the thing that confuses me is that even if this is a TVA that came about as a result of the the, the sacred timeline being no more and it being a multiverse, the whole concept of the TVA, as it was established at the beginning of the show, was that it is an agency which is out of time. It's not part of any timeline. It's separate. So the idea that well, the multiverse isn't versions. a part of time either. The whole thing is that everything's been broken. That now even there are multiple versions of the TVA established because there is no sacred timeline anymore. It is just chaos. Yeah, but even, is, even when there were splinter timelines that were coming off that they were dealing with, there was still only one TVA. Because they were outside of timelines. They weren't affected by that stuff. The right. fact, there was, the fact there was, that there are there now multiple timelines. What I'm saying is there was one TVA mm. in one single timeline. There was one TVA forming one sacred timeline. But when Sylvie kills Kang and time starts over again, yeah. we no longer have the one single TVA. We have multiple TVAs, multiple multiverses. All of those things, like, yeah, the one our, our one TVA controlled every multiverse's timeline Mm. now that's gone there is no one guy in charge anymore and the whole thing is fucked up now so now there are multiple tvas now there are multiple timelines there are multiple universes everything's different now because there is no longer one guy superseding everything keeping everything in order Mm. it's just chaos. yeah i don't like it (laughs) no it's it's bad and it's also really good as a viewer because it means yeah, that no, it absolutely is. God, the I'm just possibilities like, are just fucking endless. Now. I just the the one thing that I wanted, the one thing that I needed after Sylvie and Loki breaking up was for Mobius to be there, and he's there. At but least it's you not... get the closure of last week. That like, thankfully, you do get that nice moment between them at the end of the last episode, because if you didn't get that and then you didn't get this, it would be really, it'd be that much more upsetting, but at least if you get sad about it, you can go watch episode five and you can see them hug and say that they're friends. And it's, sure. it's very nice. Sure. Moment. But then I'll remember that episode six undoes all of that and that they're no longer friends because they've never met. And it's just like, <laughs> but they, I think it's going to be, I'm sure we will end up seeing hopefully our Mobius again. I would like to see, I feel like a big thing that's going to happen in episode two or still, season two. still want multiple um, Mobiuses to be running around one TVA, don't you? 
<laughs> no, what what I would like, what what I feel like is going to happen is I'm sure there's going to still be time travel antics, and obviously, in the TBA is still around, and we're still going to have time travel antics in season two of Loki. And I think the thing that makes more sense than anything else is popping into a into a pre pruned Mobius on the on the timeline where he's like in the nineties doing a jet ski. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I don't know. I, it's, they got to They got to show him on a jet ski, man. That can't. That's that feels like that's it's the too money much shot to, to not pay off. It's on. the money shot. It's like moonlighting when they were like, "Will they? Won't they?" And then they finally did, and people stopped watching after that. And I'm like, "Is the jet ski Bruce Willis in this particular?" <laughs> You know, like, do, do we want to see Mobius getting together with Bruce Willis is basically what I'm asking. Because after that, there's like, that. that's your high point. You've literally jumped a shark at that point on a jet ski. And I, I don't know, like, maybe they're just hanging on to that as their race card. Uh, I, I don't know. The other thing that I'm, I'm not so sure about is like, so in every timeline, Renslayer's gone now? Or are we going to see timelines in TVAs where she's still in charge? Well, or? That's interesting. Hmm. Um, I wouldn't be surprising. I wouldn't be surprised if Renslayer has has gone and found a timeline where she and Kang can hook up because I do think that those two are going to date. Yeah. Um, and be in a relationship. It would make perfect sense to me. Hmm. And um, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't even know. I feel like we get a second season of Loki before we see Quantumania. It's possible. So I think we're going to get a whole much more Jonathan Majors from this show before we even see him in a movie. Um, he could also be in Multiverse of Madness. Wouldn't be surprised. Um, I think it's kind of interesting that we've stopped doing the... It's such a different approach to the beginning of the MCU where during the infinity saga, every episode ended every episode, every movie ended with, uh, so-and-so will return. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they would even say the movie they're going to return in, but, uh, this time, uh, we don't get that. And the answer to every question, Kevin Faggy, if you ask him, is this person going to return? It's, Oh, we certainly love this actor and we would love to have them still be a part of this world. Even when we know they're going to be in other stuff. Like we know we know Florence Pugh is in the Hawkeye show. We know that. Hmm. And he was asked point blank, and they're like, oh, is Yelena going to re- return into the MCU? And he goes, you know, we really like Florence Pugh, and we hope to have her back again. And it's like, motherfucker, we know she's, <laughs> we yeah, know you she's know, coming back. No, but you know she's why She's going to be in other stuff. <laughs> but you, you know why that is, because Marvel have now got themselves to the point where they are bigger than the actors that inhabit the characters. And if they want to, they can recast every fucking character and we will still watch those well, movies. That's true. why. The because they don't thing, want to the link themselves to these huge multi-film uh, deals anymore because they don't need to. That's what I, Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They're not doing those anymore. Yeah. Um, which is maybe why that's this line of, of, uh, of answering. It's just we don't know because maybe he doesn't know because they has to get them signed on again. But I do, we do know that Florence Pugh is doing Hawkeye because she's... No, definitely, Don't but he doesn't want to put himself in a position where someone can bring up an article and say, you said that you wanted to sign me to a multi-year deal, so where's this fucking multi-year deal, you know? Like, there's no yeah. need for him to put himself in that kind of position now because he knows that the characters that are on screen are more powerful and draw more than a lot of the people that are playing them. Like, Florence Pugh, I absolutely love. I'm, I'm a massive, massive fan of hers. That being said, if you asked the average Joe on the street who plays Yelena, what's her face, in Black Widow, <laughs> they'd be like, I don't know, the girl from WWE. Like, you know, they they, they wouldn't yeah. necessarily... It's not like having, uh, you know, uh, fucking Iron Man, <laughs> you know... <laughs> Is well, it, yeah, but I was, uh, you know, at first Robert Downey Jr. was nobody, and then he was big. No, and Florence no, Pugh no, was no. an Academy I mean, Award nominated. No, actress, come on, no, she, come she on, She does no. have some clout. Yeah, no, I, I'm not saying that she doesn't have clout, but I'm saying that compared to Robert Downey Jr., who, although you, there, there can be the argument, I don't want to get myself into another one of these in the ascendancy 
um, situations I was talking about <laughs> in America before. But Robert Downey Jr. is a bankable star. He was a at the time that he was cast as Iron Man, he was a known quantity. He was a name. He wasn't a Tom Cruise, but he was I still a name. I didn't know who Robert Downey Jr. was. When he How did Iron you Man? not know who Robert Downey Jr. was when because, he did Iron because Man? Because it was 2008 and he didn't. He hadn't done anything in forever. I, I didn't mean know. That you I mean, I was in high school is. at the time and I'd never seen him do anything. That's ridiculous. I'm telling you, he was not. There are people who had no idea who he was. At the time, I mean, there are people in the world that don't know who Batman is. That doesn't mean that he's. There was a long period of time where he had nothing. No, he he fell out of filmmaking for a while, but he was still a name, you know. In the same way that, uh, you know, you you look when they decided who are we going to cast Black Widow? Oh, how about Scarlett Johansson, the hottest actress in the fucking world right now? You know, like (laughs) she and and there's no argument there. Like she was fucking raking it in. Like she she was a proper top name. But now they can cast a Florence Pugh as the successor to the mantle of she. Okay, she's not Natasha. She, she's not the the same character. She is her sister who is taking over the the role. But still, it's you don't have to cast big names anymore. And you can see this from the fact that they've uh, look at the casting of, of of main villains in the MCU. You know, mm-hmm. like I. I love the guy. I think Jonathan Majors and Florence Pugh are really great actors who, like you said, aren't super well known. No, that's yeah, that's the thing. Is- that's the difference. They're great actors, but they haven't got that right. cachet yet, and and that is the bargaining chip and, by which but then Marvel you also keeps have, them down. You also have the abs- as- aspect of the MCU right now where Florence Pugh and Jonathan Majors are really great actors signed on to continue to show back up in the MCU and multiple stuff coming forward. Yeah, but you also have. Owen Wilson and uh, fucking uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus, yeah, also doing the same thing. Mm, mm. And it now feels more and more like the MCU is building itself around not just superheroes that are going to recur, but the minor characters. I think they know that people like the minor characters. So sure, seeing people like sure. Julia Louise Dreyfus and Owen Wilson pop up in things other than their initial thing. I mean, the, I, enti- the I entirety. Feel like that's more likely now. The entirety of the Avengers was built around Samuel L. Fucking Jackson. For Christ's sake, that's true. You know, that's true. Like, <laughs> name a more famous motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I I get what you're saying, and I completely agree. I I think that um, Marvel are building their universe out, and they realize that you can't just have superheroes as the sole focus of your universe you have to have regular everyday people you have to have a sharon carter for for every uh you know iron man or whatever the fuck um but i think they're being really really clever now with the way that they're approaching casting and and more specifically the way that they're approaching talking about the actors that they have signed on for certain roles where they're not talking about the fact that, oh, we have plans for them for the next five or six movies. They're very much saying, well, we hope to work with them again, but you know what? If it doesn't work out, we can very easily recast them. Who remembers, play- who, you know, fucking Rhodey. Like, at the end of the day, Marvel mm-hmm. have got a track record now where people will basically watch any movie they put out. Guardians of the Galaxy was a huge litmus test. True. And it passed with flying And I'm colors. very... I'm very interested to see how Shang-Chi does uh, and Eternals. I, I'm, really I'm very interested to see how, to see how Eternals does. And, and funnily enough, Eternals flies in the face of what we're talking about, casting Angelina Jolie in one of the key roles. Uh, yeah, but, and, and Selma Hayek. Yeah, but they are surrounded by actors who, although they're well-known, they're not known because purely on the power of their name. They're known because, oh, you were that dude in Game of Thrones. Or, you know, something like that. Like... Um, Kit Harrington is a brilliant actor yeah. and he's very well known for his roles that he's done in Spooks and in Game of Thrones. But again, he's not on the level of a Chris Evans or a Robert Downey Jr. or a Tom Cruise or a Brad Pitt or I think maybe he's on the Owen Wilson level. I don't know. I couldn't say for sure. But he. Mm, I don't know. I feel like Owen Wilson's a bigger deal. Yeah, prob- been around longer. probably because of long longevity. Yeah, um, but again, like my point is, what the 
executives are saying at the moment, especially Kevin Feige, is nobody... And, and they're not saying this directly, but you can sure as hell pass this out from what they do and don't say. There is nobody in our universe who is not replaceable. Mm-hmm. And from a business point of view, that makes perfect sense. From And, 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 and I also... I also feel like maybe it's easier to get these big names if you say, well, you don't need this side eight, an eight-movie contract. Oh, it absolutely Just is. do this, and yeah, then we'll yeah, talk. Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely, because the flexibility goes both ways. On the one hand, yeah, okay, I'll sign up to play uh, whoever the fuck, the, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a, a, a Marvel hero who hasn't been brought to the screen yet, and I'm struggling, to be honest with you. But uh, I don't know. Say they wanted to reboot. Namor. Namor. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's a really good one, actually. Well done. Um, say they wanted to cast Namor and they went to... Um, oh, God. Why can't I remember his name? British actor, former diver. Um, former diver? He was in Parker and... Oh, God. He was in the Fast and the Furious movies for a little while. Um uh, why can't I remember his name? Fuck's sake, British dude. Bald. Ripped like Jason a... Statham? Jason Statham? Let's say... I, I don't know, name Yeah, I don't know why that popped into my head, but I don't know, him with a hair I know, it's, it's kind of fun now. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I don't hate it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like they, they say to Jason Statham, right? Okay, we want you for Namor. And he says, okay, I'm not too fussed about the idea of signing myself to a huge deal. And they're like, that's fine. We don't want to sign you to a long deal. Uh, But we have a lot of projects that we can offer you if you're still up for it. And in a couple of years' time, if he's not feeling it, they recast him. And Mark Strong is suddenly Namor and probably would have been the better Namor to begin with. Um, And you you can do that with, with that kind of flexibility. And again... I think they've got to the point now where most people watching Marvel movies, they see the costume more than they see the actor, to be honest. Um, yeah. And uh, that you can argue about whether that's a good or a bad thing, but at the end of the day, movie making is a business and Marvel have to approach this from a profitability point of view as much as anything else because there comes a point where you build a star so big that they just become a drain on the finances of making further movies, um, which is probably why the Bond movies were so clever to rotate actors out of the role every five or so films. Um, also, the age thing was probably an issue. But, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's one of those things. But I, I think from a business point of view, they've got their head screwed on, and I can't really argue mm-hmm. at all with the uh, rationale behind what they're saying in public. Um, they're just, yeah. you know, they're doing what they have to do to make sure that they don't pin themselves into a corner. I just, I think it's funny because I listened to a podcast with Kevin a couple of days ago, and that was his answer to every question. It was exactly the same like way. He would just be like, well, we certainly love this actor, and we yeah. sure would like to work with them again, for sure. I think we all agreed that they would be a great addition. Um, He's become a politician. <laughs> but, yeah. but it really is. That has been, I mean, the 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 so far, we are, we are three TV shows in on Disney+. These things have have tied in both ways in the movies and in the TV shows, and each one of them have had a combination of um, middle um, middle tier um, Avenger heroes, uh, along with brand new actors who have not been in MCU stuff but are really good, and then a handful of like MCU people who like just kind of popped it for this thing. Mm. And that's kind of been how they've been doing it. And there is a lot of really, really, really good new people who have been brought into these TV shows, like Catherine Hawk, like Owen Wilson, like yeah. um, Julia Louise Strikers, um, like um, uh, Wyatt Russell. Mm. Um, and I'm super excited to see these guys become part of the Marvel Universe because it does feel this time around like the interconnectivity is something that's going to be more part of this. That when you bring in Wyatt Russell um, just based on and it's very interesting where they're going. Um, There are two 
plots that seem to be forming right now, um, which is different than um, the last for the Infinity Saga because the Infinity Saga was like we're just going to introduce all these things and you kind of have like the space movies but they also tied into Thanos. And then you had the Avengers on Earth, which was just kind of like, here's what the Avengers are doing. And then Thanos came. And, and, and even in the first Avengers, the bad guy was Thanos. And space did come. So it was like, we set up what the world was and then this thing that was coming to a thing. This time around, it really does feel like there are two plots forming in phase four of the MCU. Yeah. And that is um, the the cosmic um breaking of the multiverse and that involves characters like scarlet witch and dr strange and somehow spider-man got roped up into this and loki um <laughs> and then you have the um the earth heroes where it seems like there's some kind of um alternate version of the avengers that we um so then you have that storyline kind of kind of digging and it's really interesting to see how both of those stories are going to be incorporating these characters because the very idea of the multiverse means it feels like all these other characters are going to be introduced into it. But when you have like already Wanda, Doctor Strange, and Loki have all and eventually Spider-Man are all being dragged into this multiverse situation, this multiverse crisis, uh, to borrow a phrase from DC Comics, <laughs> and then you have all these, uh, you know, terrestrial uh, heroes who, you know, the Avengers kind of left a bit of a power vacuum to borrow from Kang's terminology. Um, there is now not really an Avengers at this point, you know, mm-hmm. like the Avengers kind of as a concept is not really what it used to be. Uh, who even is left, right? Like, Hulk is still around. Um, Captain America is now um, Sam's title, yep. but he didn't really have the Avengers before he became Captain America again. But it does seem like Val is putting together some kind of team, and maybe maybe for Val Thunderbolt Ross, which is my theory. Hmm. Um, maybe forming not even. You know, people are like, it's the Thunderbolts. It's the Dark Avengers. It might just be the Avengers. They just might steal the name. (laughs) And it might just be that's what they're doing. Just like Captain America. They're going to be like, well, this is our this is our Avengers now. And and uh, it's going to be kind of this dark mirror version of the original Avengers. And I'm. I'm interested to see where all that goes. And then you have the, uh, the aspect that at any point uh, uh, you can uh, trip on a manhole cover and end up in uh, a different fucking reality. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very exciting time. I think for people that are uh, interested in seeing the status quo being somewhat challenged. Um, and it's cool when you look at the DC stuff and the DC movies and now they're starting to be like, well, the DCEU is kind of around, but still not like the Suicide Squad is it's a very kind of a Suicide concept, Squad, yeah. but it still is the Suicide Squad. Shazam like yeah. mentions the DC movies, but doesn't have anything to do with them. And then you have like the Batman movie, which has nothing to do with that. Right. Hmm. Um, but now Marvel can do that. Like. If they wanted to, they could just be like, "This is a multiverse where this is Doctor, this is a Captain America." Mm. So, this is Captain America now in this multiverse where this is the reality, and we can just tell that story now because we've broken the multiverse, and now it is not one big timeline. It is now whatever the fuck we want to tell you is what's happening now because uh, the rules are gone, <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> which is kind of crazy. Exactly, exactly. No, it's the fact uh... that this what if animated series coming immediately after Loki might be like much more canon than we all thought it was. There is the possibility of that. And of course, with a multiverse in play, you can argue that any variation on Marvel is now canon, just tucked away in a certain mirror universe, which is a impossibly long and complicated number uh, to remember. There are infinite possibilities. That's the thing. Like, you know, whenever you talk about... uh, the uh the 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 concept 
of alternate realities, uh, realities that are based on the concept of choices made. You know, mm-hmm. I get up in the morning and I decide I'm going to have toast for breakfast or I get up in the morning and I decide I'm going to have Weetabix. And because of that decision, mm-hmm. there are now two branches in my reality, one where I had toast in the morning, the other one where I had cereal. Like, that's mad. But it's a concept which has been doing the rounds in in real science for some time, mm. you know, and just imagine the number of choices that you make personally on a daily basis and how many mirror universes are predicated purely on the choices that you have made over the course of a day. There are hundreds, if not thousands of mirror universes just based on choices that you as an individual made over the course of a day. Now multiply that by every living person on the planet and every living being in the universe and then multiply that by the number of days that you've been alive and you've got an astronomical number. And some of these things could be like, what if instead of uh, two arms and two legs, every person was born with seven tentacles? Yeah. That's a reality. Absolutely. So now all those choices plus that. And how that affects those choices, like well, it probably, that's what's crazy about the multiverse is that it's literally an infinite amount of yeah. options here. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. now you can end up in a different one at any point. Well, and, because it, it compounds, doesn't it? That's the problem. And yeah. also, like, it's an ever-expanding tree. Um, it's like if you say two times two times two times two times two again times two again, like they're small numbers but they add up to a huge number at the end of it. And it's yeah. it's all about the the compound effect of choices upon choices from different people. Because, you know, there's a universe where I had toast in the morning and then I decided to have orange juice and then I had decided to brush my teeth and then I decided to have a shower. And there's a variation of that universe where I had toast, but I didn't have orange juice, I had coffee, because in that universe I've decided I like coffee, which throws up an entirely different fucking version of the of reality, which I refuse to, to accept, you know, and, and just by making four choices, like you've got 16 variations, 32 variations of the same theme on based on four choices. That's mental. The number of variations, the number of different universes that there are. And the fact that we only see a handful of them in Marvel fiction, the 616 universe, the prime universe, you know, we we don't see very many of these at all. And this is something that DC's been doing for a long time as well. In fact, I'm not 100% sure on my history, but I think DC came up with the concept of a multiverse long before Marvel did. I could be wrong on that one, though. So, you know, let me know if uh, if I'm wrong on that one, people listening. Um, but the fact that, once again, Marvel have beaten DC to the punch on their own fucking concept is, is just ludicrous. Because they've delayed Flash for so long now that they're going to come out with Flashpoint mm-hmm. and it's just going to be like, well, we were going to tell a multiverse story, but it looks like Marvel beat us to it again. So, yeah, <laughs> our fucking luck, huh? Um, yeah, this this uh, this development is is super interesting. I also just want to throw out really quick that I was make this super clear. Um, can you hear me? Mm, yeah. I just heard some weird beeping. I didn't know what that was about. Okay. Uh, the show did not make it super clear, uh, but I did say last week the reason why we were like, well, why is there all these different looking versions of Loki? Why is there a crocodile Loki? How mm. is that a part of the sacred timeline? Yeah. And it's because all these versions of reality are all stacked on each other, and the sacred timeline is more than just a single multiverse it's it's a many 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 multiverse that have all been through to one for the events to all be the same going through time Mm -hmm. and the new multiverse is now that kang has the immortus whatever you want to call him uh he who remains has been killed by sylvie that time now starts over infinitely and just keeps creating these different multiverses and these different ideas because now uh those timelines can't be branched so now it's not okay well all the events of everything happen the same except that loki's a crocodile and everybody else is a crocodile or whatever in this version of reality that's not the case anymore now it's just 
all of those realities can have their own the, their own branches and be different, and nobody can really control it. it. Does seem like there's still a TVA. There might be multiple TVAs, and maybe they're all fighting, and maybe they're all trying to prune their own timelines, and who knows what is happening at the TVA now. Um, hmm. That might be a question for season two, but it, it is interesting now to see that going into Spider-Man and Multiverse of Madness in the next couple of months and Loki season two. Uh, seeing how this all shakes out and and happens is going to be pretty cool. And it also seems weird. I have no idea how this all works, but like it does seem like WandaVision at the end when she's at her cabin seems to be somebody have made the connection of like, oh, well, now the reason why she hears those voices all of a sudden is because Sylvie has killed (laughs) you remains and now there's a multiverse and that didn't exist before. And now that's why. And then, mm. you know, why why didn't Cap get pruned? Well, maybe he didn't because there, you know, it was now there's now a multiverse. And so now he can go to a different dimension and not get pruned because who's going to stop him? There's now a multiverse. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, to say the least. Uh, well, I have we, no we idea talked, what's going to happen. We, but, we talked about time uh, infinitely looping. Cool we, we talked about time infinitely looping on itself. So um, even if the TVA existed one time that he went back in in time and and decided to spend his life with Peggy. There's certainly another loop where they suddenly didn't exist and he was able to do it successfully. So uh, all realities exist simultaneously and, uh, and, and also not at all at the same time. (laughs) It's, it's a very complicated situation, but we've talked about that before in a previous episode. Go back to the timey wimey episode if you want to hear us talking about time travel. I haven't got the energy to do it now. It's two AM where I am, and I think we've just about an hour gone on the clock. I'm gonna call an end to proceedings. Um Loki was a very, very enjoyable venture uh for Disney Plus and for Marvel. Can't wait for season two. And uh, I can't wait to see what the hell they're going to do to deal with all of the shit that's hit the fan here when uh, we get to the multiverse of madness. I can already feel how tired Dr. Strange is going to be about all this. I saw a text today that was like, (laughs) damn, Dr. Strange really has to solve a whole multiversal war all because because he he, he read a text message while driving once in 2016. Now this is his problem. <laughs> this is the ultimate public service announcement about do not yeah. text and drive because you may have to solve a multiversal event one day. <laughs> yeah, it's not oh, worth man. it. <laughs> yeah, in I, all, I in cannot, all seriousness, do I not cannot text wait and drive. to see what happens in Multiverse Matters. I can't wait to see what happens in fucking Spider-Man. Um, yeah, yeah. And I also love that we know, I, this is something that, that Kevin said on that podcast I listened to, that the Spider-Man Far From Home multiverse thing was intentionally designed to trick you. And then it felt like the one division thing was designed to trick us too. And now it just feels like they're kind of getting off on telling us that to make us think something's going to happen. And then they just do something different. I, so yeah, yeah, that's I, an aspect now where it's not that they aren't going to do it, but that it might not happen the way you think it's going to happen because they might think you're expecting things to go a certain way and they're going to do it differently, but they are going to do it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, yes. The multiverse I, is going to be a thing in the next phase of the multiverse or of the Marvel movies, but it's not what you think from this trailer because we told you it was this. I mean, it's called not. multiverse of madness. So there has to be something to do with the multiverse in it at least. Otherwise that is a really misleading title. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no, it's, it's, it's just, <laughs> it's just like when far from home said, when Mysterio is like, I'm from the multiverse. And it's like, he wasn't. He wasn't from the multiverse. The multiverse mm. didn't exist yet. But, now but they does. were they were seeding ideas about a multiverse, yeah, yeah. which was pretty clever yeah. writing on their part. Um, I, I mean, I went on record not, with... It's not proposing something and then never giving it to you. It's just, here's a little taste of what we're cooking up, but then also, yeah. Eh, not yet. But you're getting it eventually. It's, we're not... We're not we're not monsters. It's building anticipation. I, I think one of my criticisms that I had for WandaVision was the fact that they promised so much and then really it felt like they just pulled the rug out from under everybody's feet and didn't deliver anything like they were promising directly or indirectly. And um, th- th- there is a certain number of times that you can do that and get away with it and say, weren't we clever? 
but there comes a point oh. where people are going to stop giving you the rope to hang yourself and are just going to watch you swing. So yeah. <laughs> there is a point where if you promise something, you better fucking deliver it. Um, I don't think Marvel are there yet, but I think that they are skirting around the edges of it. So let's hope that they are a little bit more upfront and that uh, thing. I, I, I will never be one to say, oh, I want this movie to go exactly as I expect it. Otherwise, I'll be disappointed. By the other token, though, I would say that when you make things as clear as they did, in a sense that they wanted to mislead people, that is a point where I'm like, okay, now you're starting to you're starting to spend that credit that you built up over all of those films, you know, and uh, the, the the bank of goodwill does not give credit. So <laughs> let's make sure that we don't spend all of that credit at the same time, eh? Um, but yeah, so th- that'll do for uh, today's episode. I want to thank everyone for uh, coming along once again to listen to us talking about our uh, thoughts and feelings about Loki and what turned out to be a uh, brilliant little talk about the uh, the state of the MCU in general. Um, I really enjoyed that. Thank you once again for uh, coming on, Tyler. I think we're going to continue with the uh, the old uh, What If series uh, on uh, on Disney+. Plus. Don't know if it's going to be we a got weekly a, we thing. we got a few weeks, and then uh, we can break into it. We have, we have. Uh, there may be another episode dropping between now and then, if the mood takes us. Uh, and if I can think of something that I want to talk to people about. But uh, until then... You, uh, you still haven't seen Black Widow yet? Right? I've still not seen Black Widow, no, because uh, I, I was going to go and watch it on the day that I had my interview, and uh, then the interview was cancelled. So uh, <laughs> I didn't have any reason to go out, so I just stayed in bed and felt sorry for myself. Uh, so anyway, uh, that's enough oversharing from me. Thank you once again, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll see you in a few weeks to talk about some animation. You've never heard me and Tyler talk about animation before. Yeah, this is the first. It's a first here on the BS cast. See you soon. Bye-bye.